Welcome everybody to Sippin' and Shippin'. I'm your host, Brian Weinstein. We'll be kicking it here every other Friday, quenching your thirst for an insider's take to enhance your customer experience. So grab your drink of choice, kick back, it's Sippin' and Shippin' time. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Sippin' and Shippin'. I am your co-host, Brian Weinstein. And I am here this week with the other co-host, Caitlin Postal. Oh, you threw me off. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm hosting today. <laughs> you would do this to me, Brian. Yes. My co-host, I guess. We're, we're we, co-hosts. I didn't we, know that was are, happening. Okay. We are, we're, we're splitting it up, right? So. All right. There awesome. we go. Wow. Caitlin is still thrown. I've never seen Caitlin thrown. Uh, all right. Let's go. Reset. <laughs> Reset. All right. We are here with a very special guest from Inviterate. Allison Spaulding. Hey guys, great to meet you and so excited to be on the podcast today. Great meeting you and thank you for agreeing to come on into this little chaotic world that that Caitlin and I have created. <laughs> you created oh, I that, love it. that co-host, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I fit in right at home. I'm just sliding right in. It feels nice. <laughs> this is fantastic and we're, we're going to need to give Caitlin a few minutes to recover because I, I really did throw her. I've never seen her like that before. So we'll, we won't expect much out of her for a few minutes. But in the meantime, can you give us, uh, you know, for the listeners, a little bit of background on you? Yeah, absolutely. So I have been in uh, e-commerce my entire career. Um, I started out on a marketplace side um, exclusively for military first responders and really got my uh, my e-commerce chops doing everything from merchandising to um, UX experience to um, customer service and, and really fell in love with e-commerce then. But uh, after marketplace, I moved to to agency side and um, that's where I've spent a majority of my career working as a strategist and, and connecting directly with um, direct-to-consumer brands to, to help them grow their uh, their e-commerce sites yeah so it's 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 interesting you know where where are you focused so uh, with the brands I mean we, you know where are you helping them what's sort of your your subject matter expertise if you will yeah, so I would say, you know, I, I really um, have focused a lot on the how customers interact with brands uh, through their on-site experience um, and how we can do a lot of storytelling and strong merchandising tactics um, through the on-site experience um, to help conversion and increased cart value sizes. Um, and so really taking kind of like that strategic approach to how we view customers interact actions with uh, direct-to-consumer sites. Yeah, it, it's amazing, right, how much focus you need to put on bringing, not only bringing the customer or the prospect to the website, getting them to buy and, and getting them to continue to buy. Uh, yes. we, we talked about this a little bit last week, uh, the last few weeks, about that initial purchase is great. It's exactly what you mm -hmm. want. But it's 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 actually a major loss if you can't get people to come back, uh, and, and buy and buy in the right car, the court site size. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's a lot of what my focus on too was not only those like first interactions and how we get customers to convert, but. Uh, more importantly, how we get those customers to be sticky and how we can retain them over time. Um, and so, you know, through that work, I've built 
a lot of great programs with with um, with customers in the past, including premium loyalty experiences um, that I know we wanted to talk about today, and I, I'm super passionate about. So, um, you know, an example of one of those that I, I have built in the past is with a, a children's um, accessory and apparel brand that had this incredible. Uh, community built around their product, but it was a bit more of a premium price point. And so some of the work that we did together was identifying what type of experiences we could build for them um, to get them um, converted into the brand, but also getting them um, to buy more and spend more over time. And, and that eventually rolled out into this incredible membership premium loyalty uh, experience for their customers. Yeah, I love that. And I always say how I'm into the storytelling, right? The storytelling is what mm -hmm. gets the people there or maybe a push from their For You page, whatever the case may be. But then what yeah. keeps the folks coming back? And I've been seeing it with a lot of brands. I love this formation of rewards and loyalty programs. When does it makes sense like is it i saw our competitor started a loyalty program let's start a loyalty program or what's what are you seeing allison is triggering that starting point yeah i think that's a really great question and so um I think there can be a lot of different factors that tell a brand it's time to, to offer something like this. So, um, you know, one, one place I like to start is what type of community have you built up? Are you a brand that has this authentic voice and has products that have this really authentic following, but maybe we're only getting one order from customers a year or two orders from customers a year, but we have this community that's telling us how much they love us. What are those experiences? experiences that can help tie, uh, create this, this bridge into getting them to be sticky and spending more and, and interacting with us more at the transactional level, but also getting them, you know, to continue to be bought into the brand over time. And so tapping into that authenticity of, of who your community is, um, if you have that foundation there, I think that's one really strong indicator that a premium loyalty program would be a good fit for you. Yeah, I think the community part makes a lot of sense to me. And then you said something that I love, which is experiences. So mm -hmm. aside from just come fill up your cart, love our product, yep. I've seen that as well, like meetups or meet or exactly. um, exclusive offers if you show up at our pop-up. And I think that's a really, how could, there's nothing more authentic than that than to put yourself in front of and really immerse mm -hmm. with your loyalists. A hundred percent. And so that's actually how I go about building um, and designing premium loyalty for um, the, the clients that I work with is um, kind of identifying like there's there's two different ways really you could think about providing a premium loyalty program. So the first is obviously like this hard value, super transactional path, right? So things that fall into that are like member only pricing, um, deeper discounts for Black Friday, Cyber Monday, maybe you get first access to, to Black Friday, Cyber Monday deals. Um, you know, we're in the thick of that right now. Um, and so these really like hard value things that make it enticing and get those customers to convert into the experience. But over time, those may lose their value, so to speak, if the customer isn't also bought into the brand experience. So that's the other portion of a premium loyalty experience that I really work with customers to figure out how to design and tap into um, is how customers experience your brand. And so those could be things like meet and greet the, the founder. I mean, I think that's one of the great things about D2C brands is how 
how involved founders are. And how, ex how, how accessible, right? How accessible uh, they can be, exactly. Yeah. And so, and so that's authentic to how they've grown their brand. And so being able to do, you know, a monthly or quarterly AMA uh, with the founder that only members have access to, um, or the, the product team saying like, hey, we have this awesome membership community. Let's ask them what they think about some of these designs we're playing around for the next season and, and what do they gravitate to? And so kind of those behind the scenes, personalized touch points where the customers get to, to, to be bought in. So it really is kind of these two pillars to building out premium loyalty programs that are that are super important. Obviously the transactional side where they feel like they're getting value, but then the experience side where, um, you know, it's it's this this buy-in in the community that they feel like they're a part of. I'm sorry, just for just for the listeners who may not know, what is it? What is AMA? Oh, uh, uh, ask me anything. I think it started. Ah. I think it's a Reddit thing. I, I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly or not, but I think um, that started via Reddit. But yeah, this opportunity where you have someone at a high level at the company or brand uh, who opens up the floor for their employees or their brand customers to you know ask them anything that they may want to know about. Interesting. Okay. I just, I appreciate you clarifying that. Yeah. So I will, I will tell the brands out there that are listening. So I'm a Taurus and Tauruses are extremely loyal. So don't Zodiac spend any of your signs. That's, you, you are like completely. Don't spend any of your, don't spend you? any of your money on marketing dollars on Tauruses. But other than that, this can bring a lot of value. I would argue if I can hook a Taurus up front, then I, those are dollars well spent. That, that, that is true. That is true. It just doesn't take much to keep us around after that. We're very loyal. Sometimes it's hard to get us to leave. That's great. I love that. I don't want anyone to ever leave a, a membership program. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about some of the membership programs maybe that you've that you've set up for your customers. Yeah. So um, I have two examples. They're kind of both on opposite. They're they're on opposite spectrums. And a really great job of um, kind of showing the breadth uh, and the range of experiences that you can um, offer if you ever think about offering, um, you know, premium loyalty experiences. It can be really small and really simple, um, low barrier to entry. Um, and the, you know, a great example I think of that is um, Fresh Clean Threads, formerly known as Fresh Clean Teas. Um, they launched a $19 program. So it's only $19 to join for a year, um, a yearly membership. And with that, they get 20% off of everything and free shipping um, and other small things like early access to new products. And so it, it really is just that simple. Um, and it allows customers to, um, you know, maybe make products, uh, buy, buy more products at a lower price. Um, and so it's really a no-brainer when you're shopping to kind of sign up at that first touch point. So from the brand perspective, it's, it's this really incredible tool to get um, customers to stay longer and having that that low barrier to entry so that's one great example that that I've seen out there and then my personal favorite is Flamingo Estate which is this really curated brand it's based out of Los Angeles where they grow everything that is you know put into their products and they're a very experienced based brand and so that one's you know on the higher end it's $96 a year but 
with that, you get invites to the estate, you get exclusive uh, luxury gifts with purchase on a quarterly basis. These touch points that are much more authentic to, to kind of their brand fabric. And so there really is such a, like a range that you can offer. And that's why it's so important to understand who your customers are when you're thinking about building out this type of program. Yeah, I love those examples. And I actually appreciate that they couldn't be more different. And as you were laying out the groundwork of them, I think what kind of piqued me was, all right, okay, t-shirts, right? Like Mm -hmm. if I have a t-shirt is a t-shirt, I may buy whatever. I won't give away my shopping habits, but maybe I'll buy quite a few (laughs) t-shirts. But if I know that I'm less, that I have that free shipping with fresh clean teas who we're very familiar with, um, Mm -hmm. and I know that I have that 20% off, I'm less likely to go to their competitor, right? Because this is a low, a low price product. I may, if I see something jump up, I get an ad pushed to me. I may switch Mm -hmm. if I didn't make that $19 investment, which is low enough to keep me engaged with that company. And then when we switch over to Flamingo Estate, you said, you know, the price point is $96. Okay. Then you said you get uh, invites to the estate. Mm -hmm. And I kind of perked up. Oh, I got to go to an estate. Tell me more. Is it worth the $96? So I guess the $19 versus the $96 is all very relative to the product. But what... Mm -hmm. Are you seeing any type of threshold where folks are just not going to to bite? Like $100 for membership kind of seems like a lot of money. Right. Yeah. You know, and we were concerned with that with Flamingo State. Um, you know, is this too expensive? But just due to the the signups we had right at launch, um, it proved not at all. It was very comfortable for them. But a lot of what I recommend when you have those kind of concerns is uh, is serving your customers. So with almost every program that I help build, I put surveys together and I go to customers and I try to understand their likelihood how interested are they in programs, what are all the different benefits we offer, and how do they rank them against each other, and then put together sample programs and just say, you know, how much would you pay for this if if we offered it, and how often would you want to pay for it? Would it be yearly, every three months, monthly? And we learn so much from these surveys that we feel really informed and validated when when we launch these programs, and so, you know, there's a lot of different levers to figuring out what the right price point is. Sometimes, I look at AOV. We also want to make sure we're covering the cost of the benefits that we're providing. So that way we're not being detrimental to the, the cost of the program, to the business. But, I, you know, I really am a big proponent of validating those ideas with your actual customers and particularly within that super loyal segment of customers that are going to be the ones that are likely going to join this type of program. So don't be afraid to talk to your, to your customers, send them a survey and it, it can be five to 10 questions. It really doesn't have to be this, you know, super formal, uh, super scientific survey, like just send out a couple of questions or, or even pull them if you have a Facebook group or an, an IG poll and stories. Um, there's a lot of ways to get that, that feedback from customers and kind of get a sense of, of how to price things. With the money that you're charging the customer, right? Is there, you know, you're giving, you might be giving free shipping, you might be giving early alerts, uh, Mm -hmm. discounts that are not out there to the public. Is it a profit center or is this Mm -hmm. just really a way of creating uh, sort of a a loyalty both ways? 
Yeah, I absolutely view this as a profit center, and, and that's what the data tells us both in what we're seeing in performance um, and also what um, a lot of market research tells us, too. So like a, a 2020 McKinsey study told us that when customers pay to be part of a loyalty program, they're 60% more likely to spend more with that brand, and I believe it's 47% likely to spend to come back and place twice as many orders. So there is this connection with paying for something and wanting to utilize what you've paid for, which is why I'm a big proponent for leaning into this type of program over a free program because of how much more compelling it is for customers that are bought in to come back and actually use those benefits. So it absolutely is a profit center where we are seeing that members, customers who are members are coming back and placing orders more frequently um, and not only placing orders more frequently, but actually spending more on their orders. Um, and so it's a really, really valuable group of customers for your business when you can construct the right program, right price point, and the right balance of benefits. So rewards and loyalty programs have nothing in common with gym memberships. Even though you've bought it, you don't feel compelled to use it. Um, but I think you know, gyms may have been excluded from that McKinsey report. I'll have to get back to you. <laughs> I, would, I would think so. Not, not that I have personal experience in that space, just, you know, putting it out there. <laughs> well, one requires suffering, right? And you right. can forego suffering. You're like, eh, I spent the money. Why do I have to suffer? Yeah, exactly. exactly. I'm suffering enough. <laughs> Exactly. But I, I think maybe cut to the question you were getting at is, you know, is it is it a profit center or not? I think maybe another question in that same category is, um, you know, like goes back to the, the cost of the membership. And, and I think it's totally doable for some brands to consider um, that you may price something low as a loss leader to get these high value customers in the door, knowing what you can forecast for their uptick in, in repeat uh, order frequency and their their uptick in AOV, um, maybe it's okay to price low um, at right. the sake of volume. Um, there's a lot of different levers to play with and it all kind of just this this master formula of value to, to benefits to experience. You know, it sounds like it's, it's, it's really brand specific, but is there a point where, whether it's monthly, quarterly, or annually, that the annually maybe becomes too sticky to customers and they're more resistant to take it? Whereas if you, you know, make it a monthly, it's very easy for them to move in and out of a loyalty program. Yeah, absolutely. There's arguments for both. And so um, with the brand, the, the two examples I mentioned, those are both yearly programs. And, and that is by design. Um, you're not necessarily maybe purchasing at quite as high of a frequency volume as maybe like a CPG brand. And so um, th that's where I make an argument for maybe a monthly or an every three month membership program. Mm -hmm. Um, because those customers are coming back and refilling um, those products uh, on a much more frequent basis. Um, and, you know, kind of to that point, when we think of CPG, we also synonymous kind of put uh, free, uh, subscriptions there as right. well, right? Um, yeah. But, you know, on average, subscription may be 30, 20 to 35% of a, of a brand's business. And so that leaves this whole other chunk of customers that love your product, but maybe don't want to get 
uh, get put into this auto uh, fill cycle and then get too much product and then all of a sudden you don't actually like these products because you have too much of it in your in your cabinet or your pantry um, and so that's where I think also these membership programs can sit really nicely along subscription too and offer up this new way for customers to shop your brand so it's a little bit of a different use case or a different kind of mindset from this more experiential based premium loyalty program, but the same type of idea. You're you're charging a customer for uh, benefits where maybe I don't want to commit to a subscription, but I still want the 10% off and I still want the free shipping. And I want maybe things like first access to the seasonal exclusive drink flavor that you're going to offer. And so I think there's also a really great use case and people shouldn't shy away from also offering it along CPG, where even if you have a solid subscription program, membership can sit really nicely alongside it. You know, it's funny because I was thinking in terms of, and and this is just completely thinking out loud, we had talked uh, a while back about returns and how returns you know the uh, when returns first became a a, a thing the brands mm-hmm. tried to make it as difficult as possible for yeah. for the consumer to to return the product until one day that sort of backfired and and I, I really it was probably Zappos that was the, the first to really push the returns yeah. and mm-hmm. simplicity and ease and frictionless um, but that, that that became such a staple. And then I was thinking, okay, well, if you're asking for an annual subscription, does that cause an issue with the stickiness and then starting to turn people off? But I, but I can see why it would be brand specific in that regard. And in terms of subscriptions, I have about 240 pounds of dog food in my basement <laughs> for my 34 pound cockapoo because I can I can't reset the I can't figure out how to reset right. the subscription and it just keeps coming month after month. Buster's well fed. <laughs> Buster is well fed. <laughs> Good to know. Exactly. So in, in terms of subscription, do you see, and again, again, I, I, I know this is probably specific to brand, but do, mm-hmm. do you see a trend in the industry of consumers moving maybe less less inclined to that subscription and more to that membership? You know, I don't know if I can, if I'm qualified to be the one to speak on that. But, you know, generally I think there maybe is like a lot of, there could be a fatigue, like you said, like you just have so many subscriptions and now there's even apps to tell you what your card is going to run a subscription for that you may have forgot about so you can just quickly cancel it. So I think maybe there is this sense of fatigue around subscription, but, you know, what I'm seeing when I interact with, with customers is that subscription is still a very healthy part of their business and a very valuable piece of business um, where when done right, you know, churn can be low or they they get a certain amount of orders out of those customers that they they find to be value. So I definitely wouldn't say subscriptions going anywhere anytime soon. My my more thoughts around it is, you know, not everyone wants a subscription to everything, but they do like a brand and particularly if it's CPG, they want that brand in their fridge frequently or they want it in their cupboard frequently. Um, so how can we make sure that we're unlocking opportunities that makes them easy for them to do that, where they also don't feel like something's going to ship to them where they forgot and now they're stuck with something. So I think, you know, let the, that it can be a creative exercise in how can you unlock this new, this new type of way to shop your brand by providing a membership program for, for your non-subscribers. I do like an exclusive offer. I am a sucker for an exclusive offer. Me too. It makes so me feel so special. They just put that word at me, and I'm like, yeah, right. that's it. Yeah. Exclusive yeah. at the estate. 
if, yeah. if they would if they would put in there like we're, we're only sending this to you, I would be uh-huh. like I, I would buy whatever it was that they wanted me to buy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. It's there is that feeling of you want to be a part of a community and you feel special for that. And um, this is an authentic way to do that. I think a lot of people have started to, you know, if you're on my email list or if you're on my SMS list, well, then you're automatically a VIP. Um, but I think customers are starting to catch on to that, that that doesn't necessarily mean much. And so by really creating these gated experiences, we're, we're living up to what it really means to have a VIP experience. Yeah. So we've been talking a lot around um, as far as the loyalty and membership programs as means of retention and retention, such a huge part of discussions uh, this, this season on our show. Um, Can you talk a little bit about how brands can leverage these type of programs as acquisition tools, not necessarily as retention, but to get that person on board? Like, is it a little presumptuous to say, I haven't even bought anything from you yet. Hey, join my club. Ryan and I are in, if you call it exclusive, but what have you been seeing in that space? (laughs) Yeah. So our theory, you know, when we started Inveterate, that this would be a really heavy um, retention model. And that definitely is true. But in the case studies that I'm pulling, I'm seeing anywhere from 25 to 35% of customers that are signing up for our loyalty programs that we're launching are actually first-time customers, um, which really has, yeah, it really blew me away because I was, I thought so too. Um, I felt very strongly this was an easy way to tap into those already loyal customers and make them even stickier. Um, But it turns out that, um, and you know, maybe this is like a follow-up topic once I get more, more research, but it turns out that this is actually making it a way for customers to see even more value into opting into a brand that maybe they follow on social. Um, Maybe they've seen influencers post it. Maybe they've just been getting hit with you know the ads but they haven't come in and this is like the final the final thing that makes them bought in um, I'm not sure what that is but I mean it is pretty consistent that I'm seeing you know anywhere around a third of members are first-time customers so um, super this, interesting. This, yeah so this notion that th- this is just for recurring customers um, is definitely not true yeah so the tipping point may very well be that that program that loyalty or membership that you're offering that right out of the gate. Yeah, that's, I was not expecting yeah. that number to be so high. We talk about it on our side a lot too. I mean, if you've got this demand gen strategy where you're getting in high intent customers because they've educated themselves on your product or service or whatever, they've probably done their homework. They've probably asked a lot of friends and associates. So they come in eager to be a part of it uh, and want to buy, right? I think that's probably more more the trend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, too, we've all kind of grown. You know, I I think part of it is like we've – I don't know about you guys, but I pretty much exit out of every welcome offer intent now when I when I hit a new website because I just I don't I don't want to fall into the 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 email flows and I kind of want to make that decision maybe if, you know I should blame that on my day job but right. um, I exit out of those and, and but like I have heard you know anecdotally that those offers aren't necessarily even working as well as they once did not to say that it's not a valid technique and, and to turn those off but just anecdotally you know um, those aren't as high converting offers as, as they once were. Um, whereas I think to your point about, okay, I've done my research, I've understood this, and now I see this program paired to it that also matches my expectation of what I've come to understand this brand is by 
the experiences they're offering as this program, I think is one part of it too. But I don't want to also glaze over the fact that if you can easily show the math in half a second of, okay, I may be adding something for $19, but I'm going to save $25 because I'm joining it. Okay. I'm actually netting out positive on this order. I think that's another great way of saying like, okay, how can I get those customers hooked? And now you have this incredible segment to hit for the next year to get those, those orders, um, to get them coming back for more orders. But, um, I, I definitely think there's a, a math element too, to getting that though, why we're seeing that such a high number of, of first time customers converting. Yeah. And I'm following that same consumer behavior. And I don't know if it's because I'm just like over it or if it's because that cheeky way that they present it on the button, like, no, I want to pay full price today. No, I'd rather not say 25%. Like, no, I don't actually decline. Exactly. I'm only looking to research you to spam you actually. This is my day job. Right. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly right. Well, this has been fantastic, Allison. I really appreciate you coming on. This was a lot of insightful options for brands to, to think about as they're, they're creating this, again, and Caitlin, we talk about this all the time, just creating the community, the buzz around the community to, to get and retain loyal customers. Allison Spaulding. Yeah, I always call it part science when you're building these programs. So I think, you know, just keep that in mind if you, if you feel inspired to do this. There's definitely that science piece, but also get a little creative, have a little fun with it. That's a, that's a, that's a good point. I, and you know what? I think that speaks volumes to, to your, to the brand, right? I mean, it's just that they're out there. You're, you're giving it a try, you know, and I was just about to sign us off, but I'll, I'll keep us on with this. You know, it's just, it's, it's a lot. It's very interesting to see how, and I'm probably going to piss off a lot of people in brick and mortar retail, but that it just really became very sterile. Mm-hmm. And you know, I go back to, uh, you know, my, my, my wife and I are, were junkies for, for, for the Marvelous Mrs. Basil, right? And like that department <laughs> store experience when she goes walking in and there's like this buzz and this feel and everybody felt special and really mm-hmm. catered to. And that became less and less so in brick and mortar over the years. And then it just became very sterile and, and, and generic. And mm-hmm. I think that's also, forgetting convenience factor for a second, I think that's also brought the rise of e-commerce is where you do feel special, you feel community, you feel like you're a part of something and that people actually care for you. Exactly. I completely agree. Fantastic. Now we'll take us out. Allison Spalding, <laughs> really appreciate you coming on. I think this is great and very informative. Thanks Thanks for uh, agreeing to be a guest from Inveterate. Inveterate, yes. Inveterate, yes. I was yeah. so close. I told you I was screwed up like 10 times, but I only screwed it up once. <laughs> awesome. Brian, Caitlin, it was so great chatting with you. Really appreciate you bringing me on. Um, and I can't wait for our next conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Thank you so much, Allison. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure you tune in every other Thursday on your favorite podcast platform.